Oh, we're going to get right into the Word this morning, and thank you so much, praise team, for those beautiful songs. I have four Easter questions today that we need to get right. I'm going to repeat that. We've got to get four Easter questions today right. And the first one being is, who is Jesus? The second being, why did He have to die? The third, what, is, what does the resurrection mean? And number four, I'll share with you just a little bit later on. Let's talk about who Jesus is. First of all, in Barna Research back in April of 17, most Americans not only hold favorable views of Jesus, but also they maintain a commitment to Jesus that still is important to them today. 93% of Americans believe Jesus Christ was a real person who actually lived. That sort of surprised me. 63% say they have made a commitment to Jesus that's still important in their lives today. So we can see we still have a lot to go in getting this good news out. 59% have no doubt that Jesus will return someday. He will rapture the church someday soon, I believe. 43% say that He was God living among humans. 31% say He was uniquely called to reveal God's purpose. 9% say He embodied the best that is possible in humankind or people. And then 8% say He was a great man and teacher, but not divine. You know, the opinions of man and taking surveys, that's all in good, and we can sort of, sort of locate where the American population is. But my question today is, what does the Word of God say about Jesus? And we're going to go right to Matthew chapter 16 this morning. Matthew chapter 16 this morning, and it says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And pay attention because you're going to have to answer this question too. Who do people say the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Then he asked them, and here's, here's the critical, critical mass question, but who do you say that I am? And I'm going to ask you today, and you'll be able to answer this for yourself today, who do you say that Jesus is? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. That is a major revelation to know that Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God. Verse 17, Jesus replied, you know what? You're blessed, Simon, son of, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. Did you know that not just mental knowledge is all we need about Jesus today? An unveiling needs to happen that God, by the Holy Spirit, says Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus loved us so much He died on the cross for our sin. Jesus, on the third day, was raised from the dead, and He's alive today. Jesus is a Savior of the world. Jesus now says, come, let all those come who has an ear to hear receive Him as the risen Savior and be saved and receive eternal life. Oh, that's such an individual thing and an individual commitment that all of us have the privilege, have the privilege to make in our life. 
And I believe because God is just that every human being that's ever lived, is living, and ever will live has an opportunity to receive this revelation and either accept or reject Jesus. And there's only one or two places you could ever go, either heaven or hell. There's a heaven to gain when you receive Jesus. He's the way to heaven. If you reject Jesus, there's a place called hell. It was not created for mankind. It was created for the devil who's a fallen angel who rebelled against God. That's why Jesus made a way for us to go to heaven. So Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. I like that. All the powers of hell will not conquer it. God's Word has several things to say about who Jesus is. God's Word tells us that Jesus is a unique, eternal, one-of-a-kind Son of God. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 17 says, when He was baptized, God said, God the Father said, right out of heaven, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Matthew 26, 63 says, the high priest said to Jesus, I charge you under oath by the living God, tell us, they were asking Jesus, tell us if you are the Christ, tell us if you are the Son of God. And he said, yes, it is as you say. That's revelation right there that we have to receive for ourselves. Jim Irwin, he was a U.S. astronaut. He said, the most significant achievement of our age is not that man stood on the moon, but that God in Christ Jesus stood on the earth. Emmanuel, God with us. The Redeemer, coming to redeem mankind from our sins. Did you know that Jesus fulfilled every prophecy about Himself? And if you ran that mathematically, it's impossible for Jesus not to be the Christ, not to be the Son of God that was promised in the Scriptures. His miracles proved that He is who He said He is and who the Father said He is. Hebrews 1, 2 says, that Jesus is the creator of everything. We're defining who is Jesus. Jesus, in John 1, 3, says, all things are made and came into existence through Him, through Jesus, through the Word. And without Him, not even one thing that was made that has come into being. So Jesus is the owner of everything. He's the image of God the Father. He's the sustainer of everything. He's the Savior of all who will believe. And faith for salvation is here as you get a revelation of who is Jesus. you got to get that right. Acts 4.12 says, There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among people by which we must, say it with me, must, say it again, must be saved. We must get this right because He's the only one that we can be saved by. God has provided the world no alternative for salvation. That's in the Amplified. I think that's so powerful. God has provided the world no alternative for salvation. So we've answered the question, who is Jesus? Who is He? 
We let the Word define who He is. Number two, why did Jesus have to die for us? Think about this. Today, the cross is a reminder of the great sacrifice Jesus made for mankind. We know that. But during the days of Jesus, the cross wasn't an icon to be revered. It was a symbol of shame. It was a symbol of, of people that did terrible things that had to pay for their crime. To be hung on a cross was the most shameful thing. During the Roman Empire, the cross was used to make a spectacle out of society's worst offenders. Just think about this. He that knew no sin, talking about Jesus, was made to be sin. He hung on that cross vicariously as our substitute, and he, he opened not his mouth. He wasn't dying for his guilt. He wasn't dying for his blunders. He wasn't dying for his crimes. But yet he was a spectacle, and everybody thought he was dying for his own offenses. The death of Jesus on the cross is the focal point of the Bible. Everything in the Bible points to the moment that when humanity was redeemed, we were redeemed at that moment from sin, from sickness, from disease, from poverty, and from death. Now today, because of Jesus' resurrection, we wear a replica of the cross as a piece of jewelry. It's something that we're thankful for that He did. We wear it as a thing of beauty for all to see around the world. The cross is seen as a symbol of hope, a symbol of a reminder of God's love for us. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever would believe in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus, who is perfect and upright in every way, chose to bear the sins of the world and become a spectacle of shame. Jesus did nothing to deserve this type of death, yet He went willingly to die in between two thieves so that we might be saved. My goodness. I just want to stop and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We didn't deserve this. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for caring about us to let the Father turn His back on you in separation so that we could be reconciled back to the Father, so we could have peace restored in our life. The Jews rejected Jesus as the Messiah and wanted to crucify Him. The Romans crucified Him. But did you know what? Listen to this. But it was for our wages of sin, which was death, that He had to die on the cross. God in Christ accepted the consequences of the sins of the whole world so we could be reconciled to God. Listen to this, the judge became the judged. The one who executed righteousness became executed for our righteousness. In other words, he was executed so we could be brought back in right standing with God. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna, our high king. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made Christ who never sinned to be an offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. I remember, I think it was last year, Kayla Taylor used to go to the church, their family, beautiful family, they, they moved. And, uh, but she made this statement, I think it must have been a post on Facebook, and I thought I would share it with you. She said, remember, friends, if you've been lied on, 
if you've been a castaway, if you've been innocent while others proclaimed your guilt, if you've been unfairly treated, scorned, and abused, just know you're in good company. My goodness. It's, it's not over. And when you talk to God about all these things we just mentioned, just know this. He knows exactly how you feel. You know, Jesus was tempted and tested in all points like as we are. He relates with us, yet he never missed it. So he could die for all the times that we did. I saw an article that had this excerpt in it. There was a woman that wrote to J. Vernon McGee. And she said, you know what? Our preacher said that on Easter, Jesus just swooned on the cross. What does swooned mean? Fainted. Just, just fainted. Just fainted on the cross. And the disciples sort of just nursed him back to health. What do you think about that? Well, <laughs> he, had a, he had a reply that brought some soberness to that comment. He said, dear sister, beat your preacher with a leather whip for 39 heavy strokes. Nail him to a cross. Hang him in the sun for six hours. Run a spear through his heart. Embalm him. Put him in an airless tomb for three days. Then see what happens. I, I have to say over the last few days on Good Friday, I just, I just in my mind's eye, <clears throat> I just sort of meditated where Jesus was through the process of the passion. And then the next day, I was just like, where would he, where would he be at that point? Well, he would be in the portals of hell paying, paying our death penalty and separation from God, the innocent for the guilty, the just for the unjust, the one that missed, messed up. I should have been the one that went to hell, but he went there for me. But then I think about today, on the third day, <laughs> on the third day, Jesus was raised from the dead. Hebrews 9.26 says, But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away by the sacrifice of himself, put away sin. So Jesus came to pay a debt he did not owe because we owed a debt we could not pay. Soren said, Christ has not only spoken to us by his life, but has spoken for us by his death. And Billy Graham said, God proved his love on the cross when Christ hung and Christ bled and Christ died. It was God saying to the world, I love you. He paid the ultimate sacrifice for our sin. He had to pay the wages of sin, which was death. Thank God. But there's a free gift of God called eternal life, only in Jesus. He's the only way. You've got to get these answers right. Who is Jesus? Why did he have to die? Now, let's talk about number three. What does the resurrection mean? 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'll read this in the message translation. I like the way it puts it. It says, friends, let me go over this message with you one final time. This message that proclaimed and that you made for your own. You made your own. This message on which you took your stand and by which your life has been saved. I'm assuming now that your belief is the real thing and not passing fancy. That you're in this for good and holding fast. I want us all to say that. I'm in this for good. And I'm holding fast. 
Say it again. I'm in this for good, and I'm holding fast. The first thing I did was place before you what was placed emphatically before me, that the Messiah, Jesus, died for our sin, what? Exactly as the Scripture tells us. Don't you take man's opinion on this. You take God's Word on this. That He was buried, that He was raised from the dead on the third day. Again, exactly as the Scripture says, that He presented Himself alive to Peter, then to His closest followers, and later to more than 500 followers, all at the same time, most of them still around, although a few have since died. That He then spent time with James and the rest of those he commissioned to represent him, and that he finally presented himself alive to me. Jesus is alive. On the third day, God raised him from the dead. That's who Jesus is. That's why he had to die. We're talking about the significance of the resurrection. There was a boss who uh, hired this new employee. He said, do you believe in life after death? He said, yes, sir, I sure do. He said, well, then that makes everything uh, sort of uh, fine now. I, I understand what happened now, the boss said. He said, after you left early yesterday to go to your grandmother's funeral, she stopped by to see you. <laughs> well, that wasn't the resurrection that we're talking about today. Say it with me, Jesus is alive. Yes, he is. The resurrection means that Jesus is alive. Ravi Zacharias says, it is the resurrection that makes Good Friday good. Because if you look at it in the natural eyes, when Jesus began to be crucified and whipped and scourged and hung on a cross, it didn't seem too good. But Sunday was coming. It is the resurrection that makes Good Friday good. Billy Graham said the resurrection blasts apart the finality of death, providing an alternative to the stifling, settling dust of death and it opens a whole new way to new life. Warren Webster said how when a Muslim in Africa became a Christian and some of his friends asked him, why did you become a Christian? And this is what he said. He said, well, it's like this. Suppose you're going down a road and suddenly the road forked, went two, diff two different directions, and you didn't know which way to go. You, you needed direction. Now, if you met two men on the fork, one was dead on this road and one was alive on this road, which one would you ask to show you the way? I serve a risen Savior. He is alive today. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. He has purpose for you. He has a plan for you. He has steps for you. Follow Him at that fork. You go with Him no matter what. We've got to get these questions right. John 14, 6 says again, Jesus says unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can cometh unto me, unto the Father, but by me. Pastor Larry Stockstill said a few things that I thought were significant. He said, Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Why? Because Jesus did what we deserved. Vicariously taking our place as our substitute. When he died, we died. When he went to hell, he went to hell. When he was raised from the dead, we are raised from the dead. And now we have the privilege of receiving him and receiving new life. Christ took my sins. He shouldered my cross. He wore my crown. 
He received my nails. He died my death, and I thank Him daily for the price He paid. Let's do that right now. Thank you, God, for the price you paid. We'll never know to the extent over the eternity of eternities, but we'll see and we'll gain greater knowledge and greater appreciation for what you did, Jesus. Thank you so much. Paul also said, I am risen with Christ. Sin is my past. Sin was dealt with and sin was defeated. I have a new identity, a fresh and clean life with no guilt, no shame, no condemnation because it's in Him I live and move and have my being. And let me say this with all conviction and all boldness today. Any form of Christianity that does not have Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection at its very core represents a fundamental departure from the truth in the Word of God. You've got to get this right. The artist Michelangelo asked a few of his colleagues, he said, why do you keep filling gallery after gallery with endless pictures on the one theme of Christ in weakness, Christ on the cross, Christ hanging dead, even though it's, it's so significant? He said, why do you concentrate on this as if it were the last work, as if the curtain dropped down there on disaster and defeat? That terrible scene lasted only a few hours, but to the unending eternity, Christ is alive, Christ rules, Christ reigns, Christ triumphs in Jesus' name. Revelation 1.18 says, the risen Jesus said, I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, amen, and I have the keys of hell, and I have keys of death. You know, the angel... The angel didn't roll away the stone to let Jesus out. He rolled away the stone so that we could see that he's not in that grave anymore. We serve a risen Savior who's been seated at the right hand of the Father, far above all principality and power and might and every name that is named. And when he was seated at the right hand, we were also seated with him in Christ to rule and reign with him. Jesus is alive, but he's not the only one. Colossians 2.12 says, if, if you have received Jesus, you were buried with Christ. When you were baptized with Him, you were raised to Him with new life, with Him to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. Romans 8.11 says, and if the Spirit of Him who raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then He who raised up Christ from the dead will also restore to your life your mortal body your short-lived, perishable bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. No other, no other event in history has shaped this world like the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This life doesn't go on forever, and every one of us must face our mortality. We must get these questions to the answer to these questions right. Who is Jesus? Why did He have to die? What about this resurrection? Jeremy Taylor said, God has given to man a short time here upon the earth, and yet upon the short time eternity depends. Wow, the power of choice. There's a natural death of our bodies that we must face, but eternal life is in Jesus Christ. 
E. Stanley Jones says, we do not defy the reality of death, but forever in Jesus Christ, we deny the finality of death. Thank you, Jesus. And John 14, 19 says, Jesus said, because I live, you will live also. And then 1 Corinthians 15, 55 says, O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the st strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is alive, and because He rose, we rose. Death is defeated. Jesus conquered the grave, and by His resurrection in Him, we are raised to new life. Reinhard Bonnke, who went to be with the Lord recently, said, what a drama. Everything Jesus Christ did for us was for us with no benefit to Him. He bore what He bore. He was born for us. He lived for us. He was tempted for us, baptized for us. He preached and taught and healed for us. He suffered for us. He died for us. He rose for us. He ascended to God for us. And He's coming back for us. Not one moment did He do something for Himself. Every moment was a golden gift to us. This Jesus said to you, come. Will you? Come. Let me leave you on this one thought of an article I read that'll bring it, bring it home. <clears throat> a convicted murderer heard that a man had come to see him the night before he was going to be executed. When the prisoner saw the man in a black cape, he assumed he was a preacher. He said, I don't want to see any preachers. Religion never helped me before. It certainly won't help me right now. Now the visitor looked deeply into the prisoner's eye, and he turned and walked silently out of the room. The next day, as they were about to place the noose around the prisoner's neck, the sheriff said, do you have any last requests? And this is what the prisoner said. I stayed up all night wondering who that visitor was. Can you please tell me who that was? The sheriff paused very soberly, and he said, that was the governor of the state who came to give you a pardon. And today... You're not going to die just because of your crime, but because you refuse to accept the pardon. Wow. Think about that. Four questions we've got to get right. Number one, Jesus is the Son of God. Number two, Jesus came to die for our sins. Number three, Jesus was raised from the dead to give us new life. Death is not final. Death is the beginning. Love has won. Death in Christ is not goodbye. It's see you later. And my final question today is, have you received your pardon? Would you bow with me in prayer? That's right, just close your eyes right now and bow with me in prayer. Oh, thank you, my Father, for this word today, this passion of the Christ, this love that is just unlimited. And today, I just ask all of us to soberly think. You heard a word today, and I just believe that many 
like we read previously, have now a greater revelation and faith to receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Make this be your day that you take your stand, that you've answered these questions for yourself, and you've got these questions answered right. If God forbid you were to die today, do you know you'd go to heaven? If you can't instantly say, yes, I know because Jesus is my Savior, He's my Lord. He reconciled me to the Father. I want you to pray this prayer and mean it with all your heart, all your mind, all your spirit, your whole energy right behind this prayer. Pray this prayer out loud with me. Say, God, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I believe He died on the cross for all my sin. I believe on the third day You raised Him from the dead. What He did, He did for me. And Jesus, I'm a sinner, and I need You as my Savior. I repent. I ask You to forgive me of my past sins. I turn to You. I need you. I ask you now to save me. I receive you as my Savior. I confess you as my Lord. You said in your word, if I would confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead, that I would be saved. I've done that so I know I'm saved. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for saving me. I now have new life. I have eternal life on the inside of me. Continue to pray with me. Let's just thank God before Him today. Father, if, if we've erred in any way, forgive us. If we come up short in any way, forgive us. We rededicate and reconsecrate our life to You. In Jesus' name, amen. What a beautiful time. We're going to go ahead and receive communion and partake in communion. If you... Go ahead and get your elements together, and we're going to go ahead and seal this service with communion. Through this, what a special time with our families today. My wife's coming up to join us, and I, I don't think there's a greater way that we could celebrate Easter just going to get you a moment to get your elements in your hand. And again, it doesn't matter, just might be water or a cracker or a piece of bread. God is so good. You know, I just think about all of us, and in particular myself, I could have gotten these answers wrong. There's a day in my life I rejected him, but he never gave up on me. I got it right. And I served him, and I continue to serve him from all the days of my life. Let's take the bread in our right hand. Let me quote this scripture. This bread represents the body of Jesus. And as we've read today, and we ministered the word today, let's break the bread. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement needful to obtain our peace was upon Him. And with His stripes, we are healed. Today, as we partake of this bread, I want to thank God we're healed from the top of our head to the sole of our feet. Let's go ahead and take it now.
receive healing. Take it. Father, I receive healing from my mind, my will, my emotions. Father, I receive, I take it. I receive healing from the top of my head to the sole of my feet, inside and out. I take it. I thank you the healing power of God's working mildly in my mind and my chemicals in my body in every aspect of my physical body and my mind. In Jesus' name, amen. The juice represents the shed blood of Jesus. The Word of God says, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Without the shedding of blood, the Word of God says, there had been no remission of sin. Innocent blood had to be shed for our guilt. It was. And the Word says, as far as the east is from the west, He's removed our transgressions from us because of the shed blood of Jesus. Let's thank God today that through the shed blood of Jesus, we have been redeemed. Through the shed blood of Jesus, we have been forgiven. Let's go ahead and drink. We're going to go ahead and worship with a beautiful song. Thank you, Father. We honor you. We praise you.
that wonderful? Jesus, the very least we can do is surrender to you. A surrendered life is a beautiful life. Thank you, Father, for those that have rededicated their lives today. Thank you for those who have received the Lord for the first time. And if you receive the Lord for the first time today or you need prayer, I want you to call a number, 336-885-0587. That's a prayer to the ministry. Or that's, the, that's to get prayer at our ministry. You can just dial that number. It's been such a beautiful, wonderful day. Thank you for joining us. Happy Easter. Enjoy your family. And uh, we'll be back Wednesday night with live, another live service. Make this be one of the best days of your life, best years of your life. And I thank God, Jesus is Lord and Jesus is alive. We will both want to say on happy Easter. We love and appreciate you. We'll see you Wednesday.